So I want us to, so we're still looking at um, eldership, and this will be the, the last time we'll do this. Uh, so the last time we looked at the qualifications for eldership, and uh, and Phil's joined us. Good to see you, Phil. Uh, sorry, I didn't notice you there. Um, and this time I want to look at the task of eldership. And uh, uh, so we've, and when I've when I'm laying out what I'm going to lay out, um, I'm not asking us to say what. Uh, do we know anybody who fits that category? This is this is what uh, somebody who's called to eldership will will come into and uh, seek to do as an elder. So um, so what you need to be doing is is thinking, um, you know, can I imagine such and such a person uh, doing this task as well as having qualifications? Can you imagine them? Uh, are they fitted to the the task that? lies before them so uh, and that's that's a general approach you, you should be taking um, so let me just read uh, 1 Peter 5 1 to 4 uh, which we read last time let's read it again and so Peter says so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Uh, so, uh, just a by way of introduction, just a, a quick recap on uh, some of the things that we looked at last time. And first, firstly, to say, of course, that Christ is the head of the church. Uh, he rules the church. Um, he uh, is Lord and King. He has hegemony over the church. That's what the word is. Um, he he rules over the church as Lord and King. Uh, but he does so in a particular way. He is the he is the chief shepherd, and uh, he uh, appoints under shepherds. And this is what this uh, uh, is is behind this passage here: that uh, Christ is the chief shepherd, but elders are appointed as shepherds of the flock of God's flock. Um, and it's it's very important to understand this: that um, uh, the church is therefore not a democracy. Um, I hope you grasp that. Um, it's it's more of a Chris, a, a Christocracy, if that's a word. Um, it's or, or or a monarchy. Uh, Christ is king, and he rules. Um, and so, when we come to uh, choosing an elder or elders, uh, we are not um, voting for our favourite person. Uh, we are seeking to know how it is that God how God has called somebody to the eldership, how Christ has called somebody to the eldership. And uh, and that's, you find that in the passages, some of the passages that we read uh, last time. So, so, for example, Acts 20, verse 28, when Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, he, 
he speaks of them as elders who have been caught. I'll just look it up. Just get it right. Um, elders who have been. Uh, so he, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Uh, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit who acts in the life of uh, uh, the church and in the life of an individual uh, to become an elder. And uh, you know, so 1 Timothy 3 1 uh, says that uh, it's not a surprising thing for somebody to desire to be an elder. It's actually a noble thing, and uh, we can put that down to the Holy Spirit at work in somebody, calling them, uh, giving them a desire for it, uh, for a holy thing, a noble thing. And uh, But aside from the inner sense of call that a per, uh, an elder or a minister ha- should have, it also needs to be confirmed by the wider church. And hence, this whole idea of consent from the church uh, recognized and indicated by the laying on of hands you maybe wonder why as Presbyterians we lay hands on uh, elders or ministers when they're being ordained and normally it's the elders that do it but they're doing it representatively of the whole church uh, in saying we consent to this man being over us in the Lord Um, and and that's where the the congregation's say really comes in that the congregation has given consent to this. So it's not a democracy, it's a, it's a monarchy under Christ um, and the Holy Spirit uh, is at work in, in calling people. So what is the task of an elder? Um, well, I think the simplest way to put it is, uh, is to shepherd the flock. Um, this is what uh, Peter says in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is uh, among you, exercising oversight. So you see that uh, this idea of oversight <clears throat> is uh, is part of uh, shepherding. One could argue that eldering, being an elder, being a man of, of uh, sufficient maturity and wisdom is also part of shepherding. Uh, they are all connected ideas they're different aspects of the same thing as we saw last time Um, but shepherding really captures um, the the task of uh, an elder we could i suppose we could call them shepherds but tradition has it we call them elders and presbyters Um, and uh, here's the thing that uh, it comes into this idea of rule um, because in the Old Testament, uh, the rulers, the kings, were to be shepherds. Um, you might like to turn to Psalm 78 um, and just see what Psalm 78 says here about, uh, about David. Uh, at the end of Psalm 78, um, uh, the psalmist writes, uh, he chose... Um, so this is a psalm of Asaph but uh, he chose David his servant verse 70 he chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds from following the nursing ewes he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people Israel 
his inheritance. Now you see the connection there, that he's called to shepherd, but the flock belongs to God. It's God's inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. The task of a king, a godly king, is to shepherd the people. Um, and that that shepherding emphasis is, is very much there in, in the way that God orders things. Now, of course, in, under the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, uh, the kings failed. You read the story of the kings in, in First and Second Kings and Chronicles, and uh, you see how they failed. And when the prophets come, um, they take the shepherds to task. And so Ezekiel 34 is a classic example of that. You don't, don't need to turn to it. You maybe look at it later. Uh, but God has something against the shepherds because they have uh, failed to shepherd the sheep. And so the sheep are in great danger because they have failed in their task of, of uh, God-given rule. And, um, and this is the danger for any church that you, you have shepherds who don't shepherd or give up on their shepherding task and fail to uh, to care for and protect and guard the sheep. So, so what does a shepherd do? So let me cut to the chase and uh, and, and mention four things that um, she- a shepherd does with the sheep. And this is uh, I'm I'm drawing from books like this one, Shepherd Leader. If you've ever read it. Anybody who aspires to be an elder should read this, The Shepherd Leader. I don't care for the title. uh, If you just left it as The Shepherd, Tim Whitmer, Timothy Whitmer, uh, The Shepherd Leader. Uh, It's published by PNR, Presbyterian Reformed. Um, I don't care for the term leader because that's a very modern idea. I'd rather stick with biblical terms. But in terms of describing the task, um, I think he's extremely good. Um, So a shepherd knows the sheep, uh, a shepherd feeds the sheep, a shepherd leads the sheep, and a shepherd protects uh, the sheep. So there's four things of what a shepherd does. And you see how, if you just imagine a shepherd, that's what a shepherd does. Uh, A very helpful uh, thing to bear in mind is that there can be two perspectives on that shepherding task and it's worth having that in mind as we think about this one is uh, a general perspective so you've got this whole flock in front of you um, thinking about the flock as a whole and shepherding the whole flock if an, an elder is part of that shepherding team that shepherds a whole flock and the general task is to do with the big decisions of the church the organization of the church um, the plan for the teaching ministry, um, the, the kind of big picture issues of how you're organized and, and so on, uh, knowing that, uh, who's in the membership and who's not and how uh, maybe small groups are organized or whatever it is in your church. But there's that general perspective that an elder needs to have. But then there's the, uh, uh, the personal perspective which is, of course, ministry with uh, actual real people, (laughs) 
personal one-to-one or in a small group level where you get to know individuals within the church. And uh, uh, the danger for any church leadership team, I think, is focusing on the general uh, at the cost of not paying attention to the personal. And if I may speak candidly about um, uh, our performance, my performance particularly over the last year or so, I think we have focused very much on the general and perhaps not enough on the personal in the last year as I think about the last year of pandemic. Uh, It is a danger and uh, we can almost take a managerial approach to church life rather than a pastoral and shepherding approach to church life um so let's let's just work through these four things um what does a an elder a shepherding elder need to to do well the first thing is he needs to know the flock and uh uh, of course that means in general from a general perspective you need to know the membership role who's in the church who's not in the church um, you need to know what it means to, for someone to become a member of the church, the criteria. Um, you need to know how to apply discipline. Uh, you need to know, uh, you know, the, you need to have a front door, and you need to know where the front door is, and you need to know where the back door is to let people out again. Um, that's part of uh, church life. But the personal level, uh, this is the. You need to. If you're an elder, you need to know the people individually and you need to work at it and you need to plan for it. Um, and I think that that necessitates, and this is where I think we've not been very good, uh, not as good as we could have been over the last year, is pursuing a strategy for, for keeping in touch, for, uh, but not just sort of uh, a hi, how are you kind of conversation, but the kind of knowing that really digs deep under under the skin uh, to deal with the spiritual issues and to know the spiritual state of the flock. It's rather like a, you know, a real shepherd, uh, of real sheep rather, uh, not only knowing where the flock is and uh, whether it's in the right kind of field or not, but, but knowing the health of in- individual sheep. You know, has, has this sheep got a tick or not? <laughs> and do I need to deal with it? Um, does it need uh, some remedial treatment or whatever? Um, there's that personal knowing, and uh, an elder needs to be able to do that. The second thing is feeding, um, feeding the church. And in the general perspective, that means an eldership has a deep concern for uh, the teaching ministry how do we how are we fed as christians we're fed through the ministry of the word uh, it feeds our souls um you know jeremiah speaks in jeremiah fifteen sixteen. you know when your words came i ate them they were my the my joy and the joy my joy and my heart's delight um this is the kind of uh effect that the word of God is to have and therefore the, in the general sense that the eldership is concerned about the quality of the ministry of the word that is being delivered to the people um, 
and and also communicating from that what our task is as a church what our, our goal is what our activity should be why we're doing it uh, why we're doing what we're doing and so on uh, all of that's part of the general aspect but the personal of course is uh, elders being able one-to-one to open the bible and talk to people about what's in the bible uh, to address particular issues that are uh, coming up in a person's life perhaps help them to see god's promises on this area or that area um, or helping them with warnings against sin uh, uh, this whole idea of uh, uh, discipling, mentoring, uh, visiting people, um, maybe even with uh, small groups. Um, one thing that can be done in a church is uh, once, if a church is big enough, that you divide the membership up into smaller groups and with an elder in charge of a, a subgroup of the, the church, uh, a, a little flock, a mini, a sub flock, if you like. And um, organizing fellowship activities within that group, you know, to encourage each other, prayer times, prayer meetings, so on. These are all kind of things that we can do as elders uh, to to feed the flock. Then thirdly, uh, leading the flock. Um, this is uh, setting a direction for the church. So generally, again, uh, thinking about the mission of the church um, uh, thinking again about what our task is um, and pointing the direction and leading the way by example um, and helping the church generally to go in that direction. And then personally, in your personal walk with God, elders, walking in holy living, uh, being people, being men that uh, the church wants to imitate. You know, I... As a young Christian, I look back to my church experience um, in Glasgow and then when we came down to Derby and um, and since I've been in Presbytery, there are men I can look to and say, I want to be more like those guys <laughs> um, because they have had such a profound effect on me and they've they've led so well. And, uh, and this is what elders need to be. Um, now, uh, elders have different... Um, areas where they will um, excel in example um, but uh, wherever that is uh, then you're leading your, the people under your care and uh, setting an example for them and then uh, fourthly uh, protecting the church protecting and again, again the general uh, perspective is this that you ensure that the kind of ministry that you have not only has warm words of encouragement, but also um, st- strong words of admonition and warning uh, that you that the ministry of the word in the church ensures that there's that good balance between uh, drawing people to Christ and directing people away from sin and uh, and from dangerous influences. And then in in the personal level, of course, it does mean at times having to uh, have one-to-one hard, one-to-one conversations with people. Uh, As a minister, I've had to have some difficult conversations with people. And there have been some awkward moments uh, in, I'm not going to tell you who with, and whether they're here this evening, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to tell you. Um, But, you know, 
there are times when you have to have hard conversations with people uh, because you need to protect the flock and uh, you need to warn people you need to deal with their, help people with their sin you need to warn people if they're falling into foolishness um, uh, or they're or they're falling away or backsliding or something like that sometimes you need to to uh, to speak uh, candidly with people uh, to help them and the idea that the whole idea is to help and to uh, to save the sheep from falling into danger uh, so that's part of of the task and then just one final thing uh, to say is that uh, threaded through all of this, of course, is this whole attitude of prayer. Um, there's a there's a verse in John in James fifteen, sorry James five, fourteen and fifteen. It's a it's a curious verse in some ways. Um, Uh, it's it's curious because often people's attention is taken away onto one particular issue with this verse. Uh, let me just read it and then I'll explain what I mean. Uh, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the f- of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, people often f- focus on, does that mean that elders have the power of healing? Right? I'm not going to deal with that. That's a separate issue. The, the, the issue that's missed all the time is that elders pray for the people under their care. Do you see that? The prayer, um, let them pray over him. You know, when there's a, a sickness, the elders pray. And you can, I think you can. It's legitimate to expand that to any kind of need. That uh, the elders pray for the individuals of their flock. And um, so, you know, I think an elder needs to have a pattern of regular prayer for the members of the church under uh, his care. And uh, uh, so. An elder needs to have a disciplined prayer life. And all of it, and that's so necessary, isn't it? We, we need God to, to act, and God gives us this means of grace to the church uh, to pray and uh, bring our needs before him. And elders particularly need to lead the way as being men of prayer. Um, uh, I'm horrified as I look back in my Christian life and, and even in my life as a minister uh, to think how little I've prayed as I should. Um, but we need to grow in this habit of prayer and uh, especially elders need to lead the way and uh, be examples to, to the flock in this.